0: You're listening to Saint Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. And so now we're back into ordinary time. We're wearing the green, and we'll do this for about a month before we hit Ash Wednesday, and uh, and then off and running for for Lent. And so, what are we doing in this short period of time that we have each year? Uh, during the beginning of ordinary time or maybe the first chapter of it for the year, and usually it's the beginning of really the foundation of what we need to do to renew our lives. So they're usually very general lessons that we are reminded of during this time of the year in whichever gospel we are studying. This year, it's the gospel of Matthew, uh, year A, and we do Matthew, Mark, and Luke every third year, and then we have... Of course, St. John's gospel is uh, used during special seasons. And the general part of which I'm speaking is we hear it in our second reading today. And it talks, it's that greeting uh, by St. Paul to the Corinthians uh, where he says to them that you have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy, called to be holy with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord. Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And we are part of that congregation, so to speak, right? We call upon the Lord and he calls upon us to be holy. So what does that mean? And so we kind of go back and look at some of those essential elements that we need uh, to be living a life in Christ. Last week, and I didn't have the mass at nine last week, uh, I talked about some symbolism about water and blood. And when we think of water and blood, we know initially the first thought should be that that's what flowed from this side of Christ when he hung upon the cross. And it has a symbolism for us as well as a reality for us. And so when we think of water and blood, water is the symbol for cleansing, for cleaning, for renewal in that, or being prepared for renewal. And then blood has a symbolism of life. It's a universal sign for life, as as is wine, as I like to say, to give life. And I think I made the joke, one of the masses, that, uh, you know, you have a glass of wine, you feel a little more like life, right? And so we think of those two symbols that flow from the uh, side of Christ, and then the reality of him being God, as John testifies to today, and in our gospel reading today, John the Baptist, and we can think of other places where testimony was by water and the blood and the spirit. And that John came to baptize with water. Jesus came to baptize in the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit, we think of the spirit that gives us life, right? That gives us true life. So we're talking about that process and the image I used last week were the statues that we have around campus. and. I noticed that some of them were getting uh, old and so they were getting dirty and they were getting damaged and don't know what it was, could have been the weather, could have been the uh, the guy who, uh, the people who mow the grass, uh, could have been a, a dirt dauber, you know, that does what dirt daubers do. And so the first thing we need to do is to clean them, we need to make them uh, cleaned up. And then there's still damage, you know. There's some paint chips that are missing. Um, maybe something rather big came out of the lawnmower and took a ding um, on the statue. And so the water is the cleaning, and then we think of our divine artist who comes in and, and repaints and repairs. And, and those are the t- that's the process that we go through. First of all, we're made clean by the forgiveness of our sins, but then Christ wants to restore us. Christ wants us to be made like new, like we were intended to be at the beginning. And that's where that image ends because the statue is not living. We are. The statue has no choice to be cleaned up. We do. Statue has no choice of whether or not it wants to be painted. We do. So how do we put ourselves in a position to let God do his work in us. And in our responsorial psalm, it gives us that very formula, what we need to do to dispose ourselves. And so, responsorial psalm here, and my Lord, I come to do your will. So we want to do God's will. Now again, we have to be careful with what we think of as God's will. Uh, Because sometimes, you know, life is tough. Many of us have trials and struggles and difficulties and sufferings that we have in our life. And if you have enough of them, whether it's health or or professional or family or whatever, uh, and you think that, hey, that's God's will for me, you think, well, maybe God's not such a nice guy. You know, maybe I would prefer not to have these things. But if we think of God's will as his plan of salvation, then that makes it all different. It changes our attitude, that we know that somehow, some way, when we think of God's will as just for our salvation, that we change and we think of, okay, by the gift of God's grace, this can be overcome and somehow, some way, it is drawing me closer to Christ. Even if I don't understand it, even if I don't like it. And it's okay to not like it, Jesus didn't like it. Father, let this cup pass me by, right? He said, but not my will, not my human desires, but your divine will, your plan of salvation be done. So we have to have an attitude of understanding of God's working in our lives. And I use this example, I kind of smile when I do it because I understand so much more now than I did when I was a kid. You know, but my dad had certain punishments that he would give us and you didn't want to get the one that, was, that he would say, stand by my side. It, the punishment was to stand by my side for so long, which meant that we were not allowed to leave his side at any time for a certain period of time. He didn't always give us a specific period. We'll get to that in a minute. But you know, for someone, any child of you, I love my dad, he was great. But you know, I would like to go out and play with my friends too sometimes, right? You would like to maybe, as you got older, do other things, but no, stand by my side. And the question was, yeah, you know, well, why? You know, why can't you just give me something else and be done with it? And he said, I don't trust you. You did X. And oh, by the way, for our young people, yes, Father Brady did get in trouble when he was younger at times, like all of us. You can still be a priest if you get in trouble, that's okay, or a nun. But he said, I can't trust you. And so you need to be with me until I can trust you again. So it taught me the lesson of that trust is not an on-off switch, that it has to be built. You know, it has to be developed. But then when the time came, because sometimes you give a rough time, well, at least for the next few weeks, you're by my side. And then the next few weeks would pass, and like, hey, Dad, you know, am I done yet? No, son. Next week, dad, am I done yet? No, son. So when is this gonna end? You know, he said, it's gonna end when your attitude changes. Son, I don't like your attitude. And we as children did not understand that one bit, that we just didn't. And it used to be a family joke. If uh, one, you got the by my side punishment. Okay, how bad you get punished? Have to stay by his side. And then the other thing is, well, how long? I don't know. He said, till my attitude changes, and I don't even know what attitude means, you know? What he was demanding was conversion. He was demanding conversion. He was demanding a change that not only did I need to do what the consequences dictated of what I had committed, whatever act it was, but I was not done until I was on board with a good attitude, repentance, however you want to put it, contrition, that I wasn't going to do it again. It wasn't just a rote, hey, get finished with this and then you're good. It was no, 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 you need to change the way you're thinking to where this doesn't happen again. And so in our responsorial Psalm, we hear in that first uh, verse, you know, I have waited, waited for the Lord. He stooped down toward me and heard my cry and he put a new song into my mouth. So I needed to sing a new song. The song needed to be that not only was I not going to do it again because of force, but that my attitude was such that I didn't want to do it again. And I saw that it was not a good thing. Then it says, sacrifice and offering you wished not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. So it didn't matter that I did the time. Didn't matter that I offered and I'm sorry if it was not meaningful. I needed ears open to obedience to him and whatever mom or he asked me to do. And God demands that same thing of us in our spiritual life, that baseline that we have to be willing to change our attitude about this life to be in conformity with his. And that is this life is lived for the next. And it's a process. It takes time. Some of the spiritual writers will call it surrender. Do we surrender to God? And a complete surrender is something that takes a lifetime maybe to get to. Many of the greatest saints would say that they never were able to really fully surrender. And when you look at their lives, I can kind of see I've got a lot of ways to go. But our job is to change our attitude and to see what God is asking us to do in his plan of salvation, in the lives that we lead, the first of which is get rid of sin, the water, get rid of sin, we should consciously work on that. And then the second is, are we gonna let him rebuild us into his image and likeness, into his goodness, or are we taking over and deciding how we think we should be and we build ourselves? And that's one of the problems of today's day and age is that autonomy, that self-actualization that we do it, not God. What are we going to let God make us into? His creative powers continue in creating us into the way he wanted us to be from the very beginning, happy and healthy in union with him at his peace, at his peace. So do we do that? It takes humility. Humility not being some... Kind of self deprecating kind of thought or attitude. Humility, just seeing God for who He is, and seeing us for who we are. And then allowing Him, the divine doctor, to come in, clean us up. And sometimes we don't want to be cleaned up. Sometimes we cling to our sins. Sometimes we believe they give us comfort. But to allow those sins go, think of, uh, always think of when you first hurt, you know, and, Mom wanted to put something on the wound, but you know it's gonna sting and you're like, oh, don't touch that, don't touch that. where are we not letting God touch our lives? And to reflect upon that and then to allow him to apply the salve, the healing power, to have that wound healed. To bring that to a completion of restoration of our life, the life he has given to us. And so as we begin this year that Disposition of humility, that willingness to have an attitude to change, to know that we need to have conversion, that ongoing conversion, to allow God to change our lives. Because, like I said, the statue doesn't have a choice. We do. We can say no. The statue can't. And so, when we say no, that's when God is impeded. Because, as free beings. He knows that our love is worth nothing without that freedom, but that freedom can also be abused. And so we pray today and through the coming year as we look at Lent, a time of conversion, that over the next few weeks we reflect on our lives, look at where do we need to be cleaned up, where do we need to be cleaned up, and then where do we need to be repaired to allow God to make us into that wonderful person that he designed each and every one of us to be. How are we participating in his plan of salvation, which he gave us in his goodness? And to look at it with that attitude, regardless of what life throws at us. Because if we do that, if we do that, the world has no power over us. We are sitting in the peace of Christ and we know and have faith and believe that in the end, everything will be restored if we allow him to do what he wants to do in each and every one of us.